The Athletic. everyone and welcome to the Football Manager Show by The Athletic. I'm your host Tony Jameson and I'm joined by RDF Tactics and producer Steve. On today's show, CJ Ramson from Sports Interactive talks us through the FM23 winter update. We go looking for a player we can turn into a serviceable halfback in search for a star. We touch base with the Community Challenge and we answer your letters. It's time. Let's make it happen. Last week, you may or may not have seen the news that Sports Interactive dropped a huge winter update patch for FM23. Having had a few weeks of the full game being out in the wild, SI updated the game to fix any quirks or glitches that only reveal themselves by being played by lots and lots of people. To talk us through what's changed and whether we need to start a new save to benefit from the update, we've asked a friend of the show to come back on the pod. CJ Ramsom, welcome back to the Football Manager Show. Hello guys, thanks for having me back. Good to be back. Mate, it's an absolute privilege. I think you've been here more than we have, to be honest, collectively. So <laughs> you know, just get your own keys to the toilet. You've got a parking space. You've got your name on the door, everything. It's a, it's a pleasure to have you back in. First things first, for anyone who's brand new to the show, can you please tell us what it is you do all day? So I'm the QA lead analyst for the Match Engine. A lot of my job is testing the Match Engine, all the player roles, all the tactics, and making sure that your tactics work how you intend them to. Excellent. So, first question, cut straight to it. <laughs> mm-hmm. What's changed? <laughs> so, if anyone has seen the change list, we've made quite a few changes across the board. The match engine doesn't necessarily play completely differently. A lot of it is tactical changes to different roles, different positions, in and out of possession, some of the decisions that player make. And also a lot of things that the community wanted to have looked at. So how defenders deal with longer passes, how defenders deal with near post corners and um, player decisions on the ball, especially in defensive positions. Cool. So can you give the community that good news about the centre-backs? Is it, I don't want to use the word fixed because I don't think it's something that should be completely eliminated. We all need that little bit of madness in the game, but is it something that we see a lot less of? Yeah, I think that's a good way to put it. Obviously, you see in real life, there are there are occasions where centre-backs yeah. get caught on the ball and there's turnovers, especially when you're playing against a yeah. high-pressing team. But I think the frequency it was happening, when we was aware it wasn't something we wanted in the game either. So we managed to get, I think we managed to get the balance a lot better now. It's not something that you're seeing as frequently and it's not something that's happening as often. Mm, that's the thing I think you talk about striking a balance I know when we had Nick Madden on as well he was talking about a balance with the match engine and and like I mean does this mean though that maybe we're going to see a little bit less chaos ball because I'm going to be honest CJ personally <laughs> where I'm managing okay in Northern Ireland I'm loving a bit of chaos ball am I going to see less of this now <laughs> so, so that's a that's a great point about the balance I think in midfield areas we still managed to get it I like the public term chaos ball that people have coined for it. Um, I do think it sums up what we try to do with this match engine, a lot more turnovers, a lot more heavy touches. I remember in 22 and before, 
you, you got a lot more perfect touches, you'd say, in midfield areas where players could switch the ball and they'd bring it down perfectly every time. Now we have the heavier touches and a lot more interceptions in the middle. I'd say the middle third can be more chaotic, but they're not the kind of things you want to be seeing on the edge of your box. So you've kind of tidied up where it does happen and the decisions that players make and where they decide to try and take control to take the ball under possession instead of, say, moving it on quicker. Nice, nice. Tactically, are there any changes that we need to look out for? Now, as one of the patch notes says, that the AI are now more likely to use a Segundo Volante. Yeah, so probably one of the most underrated roles in the game, um, understandably, because most people probably yeah. don't know what it is. <laughs> um, it's, it's, it's just a fancy box-to-box midfielder, you could say, that starts from the DM position. So obviously we made the AI team play with two DMs now rather than two CMs. To be a bit more clear about how that works, um, they still play similar to CMs in possession, but it's more out of possession now they'll protect the back four a bit more, where before, if you're playing with central midfielders, they could be a bit too high out of possession, especially for the AI teams that might not be using the same player instructions that a player's using. So now, because of that, we didn't have a box-to-box midfielder role in the DM position, so it's basically... Imagine if you're using, say, a West Ham, you can now have a Declan Rice that pushes forward rather than sitting with, say, a Suchek if you wanted to use real player names, for example. But just a small tweak to kind of give the AI the same opportunities that a user has. I think that's the thing that I've really enjoyed with this match engine is seeing the AI be a lot more, what's the word I'm looking for, like a lot more sort of like reactive, really. And they are changing reactive, things and yeah. using tactics that maybe in previous yeah. versions they weren't using and you're sort of not always coming up against a 4 2 3 one. you're coming up against mm-hmm. a whole variety of of systems and like has that is that balance still there or are we expecting more sort of like i think nick said about engaging with the game particularly from from a user perspective it's it's engaging with the match is that something that the ai has now had dialed up or has it sort of been been balanced back down a smidge Oh, now that was one of the things that was probably working perfectly from when we released the game. It's tough because to us it's such a big feature and something we worked so hard on, but everything's hidden under the hood, so you can't really see what mentality decisions the AI manager's making. It's something we can only really see with debug tools, but we've tested it a lot and we're still testing it and it's all it's all working really well. Things like two legged games, for instance, the AI approached them a lot more differently than they have in the past and take into account the second leg and what if they're at home or if they're away a lot more into their decision making and their tactical decisions and their formations that they play and um chasing it late in the game if it's 3-0 they'll react differently to say if it's 1-1 all of these changes they probably won't be noticeable if you just play two or three matches but you play two or three seasons you'll definitely start to see the way the AI react to your tactics. I think another thing as well that I've been been sort of interested in seeing as well is that momentum shift and seeing that play out. Like that's one of the things I've really enjoyed seeing that momentum shift and then having to like almost panic on the on the keyboard. <laughs> going, what do I do now? What do I do now? <laughs> yeah, I haven't I haven't been enjoying this. <laughs> just that momentum shift. It's always half time that gets me because I'm one of those managers that my way is just always. I like to play with my highest lines. Mm-hmm. That's just me. How I play. But I notice when the game's nil nil at half time and I've been the more dominant side, then you just expect the AI to be hitting those balls into the channel and just knocking me back trying to beat my defensive line which is something of course I'm going to I'm going to get frustrated if I can see mm-hmm. the goal but at the same time if you sit back and just think about it it's it's really nice and it makes me engage as well now now I have to drop my defensive line rather than just me pressing the continue and just letting the whole 90 minutes play out 
I actually, I actually have to engage and manage my team, which is obviously positive. Well, I'm obviously sorry to hear that you are conceding goals, but that's a good thing <laughs> from our point of view. That is, that's kind of what we was going for. Yeah, I feel you shouldn't really, and I was guilty of it too in the past. And I used to play the game. You just kind of sit there, you set your tactic, you press the space bar, you yeah. let the match play out. Now you have to make more tactical decisions in the in game, especially if you're playing uh, a high line or a possession tactic or an attacking yeah. tactic. You can't attack for the 90 minutes. There will be times in the game where you need to scale it back a little bit. There'll be times yeah. now that's probably happening because the AI managers are going more attacking and they are pushing for a goal, kind of chasing half time or when they see an opportunity or when they see the game slipping away from them. So it's about reacting to those momentum shifts in the game and trying to stay on top of it. But um, yeah, if you stay on top of it, you usually do come out of it well. But I've been caught out by it myself as well. So I do. I know the frustration. <laughs> I see. It's interesting you guys talking about attacking and, and positive mentality. I play, I, I play cautious. I'm so pragmatic. It's like unreal. I'm, I'm loving the fact that you can play defensive football on this uh, new version now. Now, one thing I do want to double check, though, particularly for, for maybe newer listeners, with the patch coming out, is everything that's on the patch current save compatible or do you have to start a brand new save? And will this affect things like your current save tactic? For the match engine, um, everything will be available on your current save. Just update, jump into your current save, continue playing. It could possibly affect your current tactic. None of the changes, I'd say, it's not like a completely new match engine. If anything, it should just remove some of the mistakes that players are making or it should make your tactic not play better, but play more how you intended. So um, I'd recommend people just crack on with their same save and um, test the match engine. But I understand some people might want to start a new save and go fresh, which is which is completely up to them. But yeah, it's it's working in your current save if you want to do it that way. Mm, okay. Now you're saying obviously that things do currently work with regards to current tactics. We had a query from an I Macintosh recently <laughs> um, asking asking about near post corners and are they ever going to come back? Um, don't know. That's just a personal request or what? Oh, well, that's been a, a long-term thing for us, hasn't it? The, the near post corners. <laughs> um, I'd say we got it down now. It wasn't something we were looking at initially at the start of the year, but we're always trying to stay on the ball with these things. And we've done, we done quite a bit of testing with it and we still weren't happy with how they were. So I'd say in the latest update, the defender defend them now. Surprisingly, it was actually down to the AI setups. We always thought the problem would be in the corner delivery accuracy or in the attacking player maybe being too powerful when they're jumping. But it was actually the way we had the corner set up for the AI teams. It wasn't the most effective way, you could say, to defend the near post. So <laughs> we made a few tweaks to that, put some stronger defenders in the near post areas and um, they're looking good. So everyone's lost a few goals over a season for their defenders. But I think the balance <laughs> is a lot better now. Yeah, you basically answered you basically answered the question for me. But I was I was literally going to say as well, it's it's like what is it that you're looking at? Because it's hard because if you've got a James Ward prowse and then you've got a six foot six jump and reach mm-hmm. eighteen head and eighteen as well, and you've got them attacking an air pulse of Ward prowse whipping it in, you're more likely going to get a successful corner and he's more likely going to get his head on the ball. So I was kinda of wondering, what is it you're looking at? Is it the setup routine from us or is it the actual AI's routine? Because I doubt, like, I can't see the issue being more from us and maybe 
from the AI's point of view, maybe how they're set up yeah, I think, and how they can stop it. I think that sums up the majority of the um, type of bugs we get in the game. It's never something as simple as one thing. It's usually five or six yeah. different things that feed into an outcome and we have to try and work out what part of the problem is the biggest part and what we can fix. We did make some changes to them last year for 22 and that was on the corner delivery. So the deliveries were just too accurate, too consistently accurate, you could say. Obviously, a James Ward prowls you expect that from but some would say corner taking 11 was just whipping it in yeah. like Beckham every time and it, <laughs> it was it was too powerful and consistent but now we got that balance but we're still seeing the results and still seeing the goals so we had to look into the AI side of things and then obviously if you're playing as a, a player you're setting your own corner well most people are setting their own corner routines <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so they're not having that problem but the, the AI default one wasn't as effective as we thought yeah. it could be so we did make changes to that and it turns out it wasn't it wasn't on the attacking side this time it was on the defensive side so i think now we got the we got the balance down they're not completely gone you will still, still you will still score goals from corners which yeah. is what we want um set pieces are a massive part of modern football but they're not at the consistency that people have in the past but um kind of like you said as well just as a last point you did get a lot of people say I have a six foot six player with head in 20. Why are you scoring goals from corners? <laughs> I mean, I mean, sometimes you just have a really effective player and a really effective corner taker. Yeah, but, that's a, yeah, but that obviously at thing, times, yeah. uh, of course, um, it, was, it was too consistent and that's something we wanted to address. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I was going to say, because it's, it's a funny one because I watch football and I'm like, how is a professional footballer not clearing the first man? Uh, what is going on? I, 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 saw, I, saw, I saw Messi do it the other day at the World Cup and I was... Oh. I was just shocked. I couldn't believe it. I thought if anyone could, he could. So, yeah. <laughs> one one thing I have noticed as well, and it's like, I've noticed a lot of a lot of penalties given because of like sort of attacking play. And my, I like to say, I'm sitting defensively, so I'm inviting pressure into my box. Yeah. So I'm seeing that. But I'm also seeing that I'm getting in, when I get a penalty, that I'm missing them now. I love that area <laughs> of unpredictability. Like, because I know obviously statistically, a penalty is not a foregone conclusion anymore in in during a match. Yeah. Unless mm-hmm. you shoot maybe slightly differently. But I know it sounds really weird. I'm loving the fact that I'm missing penalties. Does that make sense? <laughs> yeah, no, I like, I like to hear that. Um, ooh, same with me almost. Same with VAR as well. You don't know if it's given. There's a bit more unpredictability in the game. That's really interesting. You picked up on penalties being given for attacking situations. That's something I personally wanted to address quite early on. So I realised all the penalties that we had given seemed to be for like pushes in the box from set pieces or things like that. And I thought this balance doesn't feel right. So we still managed to keep the same number of penalties, but now it's more for fouls in the box and things you see more in real life. Yeah, so players making mistakes, 1v1s in wide areas, a player backing a defender into a box and making them commit a foul, things like that, rather than just kind of pushes from set pieces and things that felt a little bit more out of your control, you could say. So, yeah, um, yeah that, is a, that is a change we made that I actually forgot we've made. So thanks for reminding me <laughs> and highlighting that for us. Because, yeah, for us, we make some of these changes way back, like maybe almost as early as the yeah. summer. So, yeah. Um, once everyone gets to see it, it's almost like a year worth of work all coming together. But for us, it's um we've been working on it for so long, we're just used to it almost. So is penalty conversion something that you have tweaked? Because if, if it is like Tony said, I do think it's a good thing as well because it kind of puts you in the manager's seat. Like if you're taking a penalty, you shouldn't kind of expect to score a penalty. So now when I'm getting a penalty, I kind of do that 
we know Pep Guardiola thing where I'm just looking away that, yeah, because I'm looking away or I put my hand over the face just waiting for something to blink and then I'm like yes oh, come on that's funny I like so that is it something that you've is it something that you've tweaked or is it just it just happened um, I think it just happened naturally we did do the new yeah. animation engine so the we okay, have new yeah. penalty animations now they strike the ball slightly differently mm-hmm. we've got a few more variates we've got the place penalty the power penalty oh, I'm not yeah, sure if absolutely. some of you very rarely um, we've got the Penenka penalty too in there um, not many people would have seen that. I don't know if I should have shared it. We wanted, we, sorry, we wanted it to be a surprise for people, but um, I think I can say it now. I think a few people would have seen it by now. Yeah. But um, the conversion rate the same as last year. I think you're just seeing it more. I think and maybe because you get different types of penalties given, you're just, people are more attentive yeah. to it. But we try and stick with what the real life conversion rates are, and we aim to have all our numbers the same as real life for that. Be set pieces, injuries, corners, whichever it is. So um. Yeah, whenever people ask us, is this boosted, did this lower? It's always it's always the same numbers. It's always whatever it is in real life. Yeah. Yeah, that makes complete sense to us. And you know what? I I, I appreciate the work. Like, generally, the balance feels good. And, like, you know, it's it's nice to see, as you say, the fruits of your labour sort of come into, come into fruition and everyone uh, enjoying where we're at. I guess, obviously, you know, we, we do need to ask, particularly this time of the year, is, is everyone all right at the studio? Is it quietened down a little bit now the update's done? Or is it... Full steam ahead to post winter update. Yeah, it's been a really busy release for us, but um, I feel that we've got something that we're happy with and hopefully the public are happy with too. We'll have a bit of a break over Christmas, have a bit of rest and then look forward to future updates. Excellent stuff. CJ Ramson from Sports Interactive. Thank you very much. Thanks for having me, guys. Thank you for coming. You're listening to the Football Manager Show from The Athletic. On The Athletic, you can read in-depth work from the likes of David Ornstein, James Horncastle and Matt Slater. And if you've never subscribed before, you can currently get an Athletic subscription for £1.99 a month for 12 months. How do I do this, I hear you ask? Visit theathletic.com forward slash fmpod. That's theathletic.com forward slash fmpod. Give the gift of journalism this Christmas. On last week's Search for a Star, we went on the hunt for a wide centre-back who wasn't really a wide centre-back, but could be retrained there in order to maybe save us a bit of money. Now, Aaron understood that task perfectly because he's a tactician and knows what the word bargain means. I, on the other hand, suggested two players who are both earning £250,000 a week wages. So maybe not bargains per se. Before we get into this week's search for a star, let's see how we got on with last week's recruits. Aaron, before we go further, can you remind us what attributes we were looking for for our wide centre-back, who you signed, and more importantly, how you got on? Well, I signed Ellis Shakiri at Inter Milan, so we weren't... Manchester City this week. The five attributes that we were looking for, crossing, composure, positioning, a bit of pace and a bit of jumping reach. Excellent. Okay, so in terms of last week then, Aaron, did it work or did it not work? That's what we need to find out, right? Yeah, and this worked fantastically well. So we got Elisha Kiri at Inter Milan. He's now 28 
years of age and I signed him for £8 million. So he's even below £10 million. And he played nearly all the games, nearly all the games. Suspension and injury also took him out of a couple games. But he did play roughly 31 games in Serie A. He got one assist as the wide centre-back with an average rating of 7.09, which now let's add some context because that is fairly high. In this team that won the league, according to average rating, he was around the fifth best player in the team that was starting week in, week out. Interestingly, to use the wide centre-back, we used to free at the back. And this is the exact tactic that I am using in the community challenge. <laughs> so, it, yeah, it worked really, really well. Shikuri is a fine, fine wide centre-back. Loving that. And also a nice little spoiler for something a bit later on in the podcast as well. <laughs> so, Sheffield Wednesday fans, it works for Inter. It might work for you. <laughs> shockingly, shockingly, now I'm glad you sat down, Aaron. I obviously realised that, you know, these players were quite expensive and weren't really bargains. So I decided to just manage Juventus because Alexandro was already there. And rather than having to try and work <laughs> out where 250 grand's worth of wages went. And here's an attacking fullback on the game. I also went with a three centre-back system. And I got a tune out of Alexandro at wide centre-back. Again, average rating 7.09. 47 starts, one goal, six assists as a wide centre-back, 0.46 open player key passes. I mean, 5.8 progressive passes per 90 minutes, 94% pass completion. This boy's doing well. 11.12 sprints. He lost the ball 6.53% of the time. <laughs> but he won it back 11.69% of the time. So to me, that is brilliant, right? Juventus finished third. In Serie A, they were beaten finalists in the Italian Cup. They lost 1-0 to AC Milan. The blip, however, was the Champions League, where Juventus finished bottom with three points in a group that had Manchester City, Marseille and Red Bull Salzburg. So maybe he's not great in Europe, but domestically fantastic. So that was last week. And this week is a new week. And more importantly, a new position to fill. And that position has been requested by a listener. Gareth Catherwood, who is at G Catherwood on Twitter, tweeted us saying, great football manager show, guys. If you're looking for search for a star ideas, could you find some players to convert to halfback? Really like that role in FM. Keep up the great work. So, Aaron, before we go any further, can you please tell the listeners what a halfback is? And more importantly, what makes them different from something like a standard defensive midfielder? So the halfback looks to serve a role somewhere between that of an aggressive sweeper and a defensive midfielder. The halfback drops deep than a standard defensive midfielder in possession and looks to offer an outlet for quickly recycling possession and to offer protection against the counter-attack. So you're most likely or more likely to use this in a more possession-based tactic. You've got the ball a lot and your halfback is just dropping deep in between the two centre-backs, allowing your full-backs to advance, but also recycling the possession amongst the deeper lines. Mm, okay, excellent. And in terms of those key five attributes, though, what would you suggest for us? So this week, we have gone for passing and marking in the technical area, anticipation of the ball in the mental area, in the physical area, we're looking at balance. Mm. 
Okay, that makes sense. So again, I think we're going to notice a lot of crossover with some of our attributes each week. Um, things like anticipation probably comes up quite a lot. So that's good. Yeah. Right, quick question before we go further. You've got here on your filters, yes. cannot play as defensive midfielder. What does that mean? Well, we have to remember, on search for a star, if we're looking for a halfback, a defensive midfielder, that player cannot be a defensive midfielder. That is the catch when it comes for search for a star. So if we're looking for a target forward in a future episode, for an example, that player cannot already be a striker. Mm, okay, so it's all about recycling what you've got or looking for those budget picks and going, right, can we turn him into something else? Obviously, we always use that Joe Linton example, don't we? Of, of Not not a world-class yeah. forward, not an elite forward, but turned into a very good box-to-box midfielder. And obviously, that's what we're trying to do here now in terms of creating a halfback. And with that in mind, we have capped the budget, as always, at £30 million. Perfect. So... I guess there's only one thing left to do, isn't there? And that is search for a star. Search for a star. Still don't have a theme tune yet, but we might get one eventually. Oh, <laughs> one day, one day, one day there'll be music will play through my headphones. That'll shock me, to be honest. But um, never mind. We are going to pick from three players each, Aaron. But before <laughs> we get into our three picks, you found an absolute out there suggestion didn't you I, i'm i'm surprised this guy's even a forward on football manager the reason why he's not actually in the official list for search for a star is because of his transfer value 42 million pound or between 42 and 50 million pound but also he is earning a lot of money if you would like to know his name it is roberto Firmino at liverpool now I'm, his attributes is just it blows my mind tackling 12 marking 13 position in 30 now these are defensive attributes that i'm reading now and again yeah i can't believe i can't believe he's better than a lot of defenders on the game and now if we're looking at a halfback we can start to look at things like first touch can he trap the ball under pressure absolutely he's got the balance which is on 17 the composure as well the flair so he can even add some unpredictability in there he's got the vision teamwork work rate technique there's literally there's nothing that he can't do in this sort of area. The game likes jumping reach for a halfback. I don't necessarily like jumping reach because I want the ball on the floor. <laughs> so, yeah, for me, no, for me, it's the perfect halfback. He's one of that, he's that Joe Linton example for this role. Unbelievable. We'd never have thought when we came up with this idea that Roberto Firmino would be the first name out of the hat when we looked at this. It's just blows my mind. To be honest, Aaron, blows my mind. It's the traits as well. Comes deep to get the ball, looks for pass rather than attempting to score, likes the ball to be played into his feet and refrains from taking long shots. I mean, a halfback shoots less often, dribble less. They need the ball played into their feet rather than into space and they need to come deep to get the ball. He's perfect. perfect. Absolutely perfect. Okay, well, I'll tell you what. We can't use him because he's too expensive. Okay. Nope. I'm going to present to you my first potential finding, okay? <laughs> Facundo Medina of Racing Lons. Argentinian, currently playing centre-back. So I've gone the other, the other side. You've gone for a striker who can play half-back. I'm looking for a centre-back who can just step up a little bit and play in that half-back role, okay? Um, for me, he's got everything we need. 
really. He's got that anticipation. He's got that uh, marking. He's got that uh, that that tackling, that pressing. Uh, jumping reach, you're right. He doesn't necessarily have that at 12. But for me, I think that's a decent enough start. He falls within the budget, but up to £7.5 million. 10 grand a week on wages. I've done better this week, surely, than 250 grand, right? <laughs> oh, absolutely. Now, we're actually going to stay at um, Lawns, actually, because now my next pick is Jonathan Grady. He's a right back slash centre back. So another one that's a defensive player already. But um, what is up with these Lawns players? What is up with them? They look like they're well suited for this halfback role. He's very good at tackling, marking, passing. The first touch is there as well. Positioning, he positions himself well. Anticipation, he can read the game really well. And he makes the right decisions in those areas. Player traits, he brings the ball out from the defence and he's available between, well, my game is saying 475k and 7.6 million pounds. That's a big difference. That's a big difference, but there we are. We probably have to ask his agent, I think. Yeah, what are they putting in the water in lawns? You're right. Everyone's everyone's just a halfback waiting to happen, aren't they? Um, I'll tell you what, we're going to move away from lawns right now. And I'm going to go to the free transfer market. Again, I'm sort of thinking Ooh. a little bit with me Sheffield Wednesday head on here. Danny Rose. Danny Rose could potentially be a halfback. He fits our attribute profile that we're looking for. Okay. He's got good balance. That's what we like about him. 14 for balance is very good. Okay. His marking is actually pretty high at 13. His tackling is 15. His passing is 13. His anticipation is 14 and he's brave. He's not necessarily what I would think instantly about a halfback, but you know what? <laughs> Maybe. Well, that's, that's the beauty of Search for the Star. That is the beauty. Physically, I mean, he might struggle, not necessarily struggle to perform in this role, but he may struggle to perform in this role for 90 minutes as his stamina is on nine and natural fitness is on 11. That, again, is all dependent on your tactics, if you're high pressing, then obviously you might want to protect Danny Rose. But if you're just, I don't know, let's say you're operating in the mid block, not really intense, but you are using a halfback, then Danny Rose, he's available for zero pounds, zero pounds. I'm going to be cheeky and ask his agent, actually, how much does he want? So we're looking at £18,000 per week. So he's, again, he's not expensive whatsoever. And also, Tony, you may have not noticed, but he is available in the community challenge. Now, what you mean available is a two-leveled thing here, Aaron, because, yes, he's available in the sense that he's free, but he's also born in Doncaster, so he's Yorkshire as well. <laughs> hey! Come on, the boys! <laughs> great spot, by the way. Great so, spot. <laughs> yeah, well, I, I started my community challenge, no spoilers, but he did pop up on my shortlist when looking for players born around or in and around Yorkshire. So next on my list, we're now going to be looking at a wonder kid, Gabri Vega at Celta de Vigo. He's only 20 years of age, available between 5.6 million pound and 8.4 million pound. He's made he's a creative midfielder, but he is lacking the flair. So going back to the point, he might not actually shine in his natural role, which is of course an attacking midfield trying to um, play, make, and create. Without that flair, he's not providing that unpredictability. So what I've done, or what I'm thinking to do, is drop him back into the halfback, 
He's still going to see a lot of the ball because he's the half-back recycled in possession. He's just not going to be that creative um, threat. Now, looking at his attributes, passing on 15. He works hard for the team. He's got decent vision, off-the-ball movement and anticipation. He's easy to find and also he can read the game well. He's determined, so he wants to do his best on the pitch and he makes very good decisions. He doesn't have any player traits, but he's only 20 years of age. And, well, you can train him if you want him to come deep to get the ball or if you want him to spray longer passes, you can train that. Hmm, interesting. You mentioned, again, to remind people that we're looking for players who don't shine in their current role. Now, my next pick, I should say my final pick, really, is a player who I don't know which one his natural role is. He can play everywhere, and it's Patrick <laughs> at Lazio. Now, this is a man who obviously is from the Barcelona Academy, so is, is trained in versatility, clearly. He could potentially play anywhere down the left-hand side, the right-hand side. Lazio are currently playing him as a centre-back. But you know what? Just step up. Just step up. There's, there's, there's a circle in the middle just above centre-back you haven't filled in yet, Patrick. Let's do that one, OK? So we're going to move you a little bit higher, OK? Your anticipation is off the chart, OK? 18. Bravery, 19. Tackling, 16. Passing, 13. Marking, 14. This guy's got it all. He, he's got it all. He's cheap as well. Of course, he's cheap, Tony. Of course, mm -hmm. between seven point four million pound and nine point two million pound. I'm just looking at his physical, the physical area as well, and it's looking healthy. He's 29 years of age, and you, I know a lot of us <laughs> when a player starts to approach 30, which is kind of like nah. But he's got the natural fitness to possibly last very, very long in his career. And a halfback is not necessarily a physical demanding role, so he could be your halfback in your save, depending where you are, for a number of mm. years. It's about moving those players back into new positions, isn't it? And look at that, I mean, that teamwork and work rate, just really, really high, yeah. with high determination as well. And for my final pick, I've flown all the way to Portugal, but he's not Portuguese. His name is Nicolas Otamendi. Some of us are going to be familiar. He's 34 years of age, so he's aging on. He does have that natural fitness. He is available from £3.5 million to £6.6 .6 million. And he is a fantastic halfback, of course. Otherwise, he wouldn't be on this list. He can tackle. He's very, very good at marking. Teamwork, work rate, which seems to be a theme with all of these players that we select. And just looking at his mental abilities, he's got high aggression, anticipation, bravery and leadership. So he's going to lead your team well in that halfback position looking at the physical attributes as well balance on the ball 16 strength 15 he's a strong lad he's not too shabby at jumping and he's also a very fit lad so in player traits he does try long range passes so his passing percentage may drop but he also does like to bring the ball out from the back so he is a very good halfback in my eyes in my opinion as people like to say yeah gotta love gotta love a bit of Otamendi and I should say as well Right, you had a bonus in Firmino, okay? I have yeah. another bonus as well because another player who can play halfback, drum roll please, you know who it's going to be. It's Matt Doherty because, of course, <laughs> Matt Doherty can play everywhere on Football Manager. He is the absolute epitome of Mr. Utility player. Matt Doherty, a halfback waiting to happen, right? <laughs> Absolutely. Every time I look at this guy's attributes, I'm just like, he's like, okay, where should we retrain him today? <laughs> it's like, well, I don't understand. Okay, 
they must have done a lot of research looking at um to Matt Doherty. Yeah. I wonder if they've seen him play in many different positions or something. He's, he's literally just filling out every attribute here. And again, there's no real weaknesses. The only weakness is set piece taking. And that isn't necessarily a weakness to be pointing your finger at, is it? Not at all. So there's our players. What we're going to do is we're going to go and we're going to simulate our seasons. We're going to work out how many Ballon d'Ors Matt Doherty gets this year based on our simulations. And we will come back <laughs> next week to see if any of those players can work as a halfback. Obviously, you'll be able to see those bits and pieces on the Football Manager Show YouTube channel. If you haven't gone and subscribed already, please go ahead and do so. And we've got next week's suggested role already, courtesy of Matt Atkinson, who is Matt's off, even off on Twitter. He says, RDF Tactics, Tony Jameson, lads, love the show, doing a great job. Who needs Ian McIntosh? So I've been dabbling <laughs> with an enganch, but they seem to be rarer than hen's teeth. Can you search for a star for me, please? You know what, Matt? Absolutely. So next week... And then Ganch. That's what we're going to be looking for, Aaron. And if you want us to search for a star for yourself, do what Matt's just done there. Send us a tweet with the role that you're looking for us to search for. Ideally, which team you're currently managing and what year you're managing in. Because as we always say, we can't search for a star in 2052. It's time for your letters. And to help us do that... Here is producer Steve. Welcome back, producer Steve. Are you well? I'm very well. Thanks, everyone. How are you? Very good. Very good. Thank you. Good, good, good. So, after last week, we've had quite a lot of feedback with <laughs> regards to the community challenge. So, I will start with this one from I am Watoza, who is at I am Watoza. Tony RDF, love the most recent episode. So, he's paid the toll. He, of course, may enter. I have a suggestion to add to the difficulty level of the Sheffield Wednesday community challenge. The suggestion is, and there's a bit of historical context here, because you know last week we were talking about Sheffield Wednesday competing in cup finals in the, in the 90s. But I, of course, neglected to mention that Sheffield Wednesday were the last club to win a major trophy as a second division side in 1991 versus Manchester United. So Ian Watoza suggests if you win a trophy, so it would be, probably be a domestic cup most likely, and we can decide as we go... No, it has to be a trophy because if you win a trophy, so the League Cup or the FA Cup, you're in the qualifying round of the UEFA Conference League Europe. And then if you win one tie as a cup winner, you then make it into the group stage. So it's not actually that hard to get into the Conference League proper. Therefore, is that like a... Do we make a platinum level? Do we make a platinum tier in terms of like, if you win a cup and get Sheffield Wednesday into Europe? I'm all for finding more precious metals to add to this tier system. <laughs> like, go for it. Why not? Yeah. Okay. All right, <laughs> but great. Would it, would, it, would it be platinum if you've <laughs> achieved gold? So you have to win a cup with a team full of Yorkshire players and then qualify for Europe. I reckon the gold tier criteria applies. Mm. Yeah. And an additional platinum bonus would be winning, probably so yeah. it's winning the League Cup or I the agree. FA Cup, isn't it? In terms of like getting European credentials so and that could be i suppose that could extend the save in terms of like if you're doing the promotion so promote crucially promotion trophies do not count because they don't get you europe mm. and for now we <laughs> will say if you win one of those two cups that get you into europe that's the platinum level 
we may well find as the challenge goes on with like wedding anniversaries in terms of running out of yeah. objects that we have to name them after. <laughs> yeah. For so that's a great addition, Iron Watoza. Thank you very much. And so we now have a platinum tier of the community challenge. Fantastic. Love that. Not the only piece of correspondence we've had regarding the community challenge. Pull up a chair because Ian, who is at IanL315 on Twitter, has provided us with a dossier, an actual working dossier on how to help manage the community challenge with Sheffield Wednesday. He starts off to help with those doing the Football Manager 23 community challenge. Here are some findings for Sheffield Wednesday. Defence has considerable pace, so wide centre-backs are an option and a back three. Jumping reach is good for some defenders, except Wilkes. The entire team has great work rate. Singling Wilkes out there, so sorry if you're listening, Wilkes, but apparently you don't work hard enough. Pull your socks up, mate. You need to do a little bit better here. <laughs> Byers and Bannon, clear free kick experts. Good level of first touch for League One, so you can possibly play a higher tempo. Average passing in the squad is 11 to 12. He says, hopefully that helps. And then he goes further, further, gentlemen. He says he's using a 3-4-2-1 tactic with two attacking midfielders and some wide midfielders. It looks, it's blowing my mind for a start because I don't understand where the fourth defender's gone, really. But it looks fantastic and he has kept us up to date with how he's going and he seems as though he's doing very, very well. So if you have a look for Ian on Twitter, uh, you can sort of have a little look at how he's doing things. You might be able to glean a little bit of knowledge from him. So thank you for that, Ian. Very, very kind indeed. Dead Star has sent us some thoughts on the community challenge too. Good day, gents. First off, I hate managing in England. Ouch, harsh. So thanks for setting <laughs> this particular challenge. Despite my misgivings over the choice, I've actually been enjoying it so far. See? Nothing to be scared of in England. We, we haven't done well in cups, but as disappointing as that sounds, it's not really important to the challenge well. <laughs> Ironically, now is. So very sorry about that, Dead Star. But yeah, <laughs> so Whoops. what Dead Star says is, I'm not doing the platinum challenge. Yeah. <laughs> because to be fair, he didn't know it was a challenge. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, anyway, anyway. So yeah, there's now a platinum now, challenge yeah. for you there. I've not signed anyone as yet, but the squad at my disposal have done incredibly well. We've only had one loss in the league so far. I've been playing a 5-2-3 to great effect. Special thanks must go to FM Girl, who inspired this choice. Dominic Iorfa has been a revelation in a libero role and due to a lack of bodies, Tyreek Backinson has also filled in as an inverted winger on the right and has been sensational with four goals and five assists with an average rating of 7.11 so far. Maybe not huge numbers, but his play on the pitch has been superb. Automatic promotion is looking like a clear possibility. And I can't wait to see how the save file progresses as my intake preview is looking good, which bodes well for the Yorkshire targets. I say what's interesting there, he's using Dominic Iorfa as a wide centre-back. Now, that's not something I would have thought about personally, but you know what? They might be onto something there, Aaron. Yeah, if we, I mean, going back into Ian's thread, he did mention about the pace in the centre-back area. But yeah, his youth intake is looking really, really strong. He's got a grade rating of A in the goalkeepers, centre-backs, central midfielders and strikers, which is, it goes very well with his formation as well. His head of youth development, well, he thinks this is an excellent intake. Dead Star, it's looking strong for you. Very strong indeed. There's some good people doing this challenge so far. Now, we do obviously need to have a gentle reminder for anyone who does want to take part in the challenge 
of the rules. Of course, we have added a platinum tier today. Who knows what next week will bring? Um, <laughs> at present, at present, the rules are, we say at present now, at present, the rules are, we have a Sheffield Wednesday save. The tier, the gold tier, we thought, was only signing Yorkshiremen, and we follow the grandparent rule. Now, of course, if that player has a grandparent or parent that was born in Yorkshire, or indeed they themselves are born in Yorkshire, you can sign them. Or if that player has been at a club for five seasons, they can take the Yorkshire citizenship test. For example, Barry Bannon. Of course, what I mean there is they have played at a club in Yorkshire for five seasons as well. There's no point saying, well, he's been at Southampton for five seasons. Can he be Yorkshire? No, he can't. <laughs> we should also say as well, if there is a legitimate argument that can be made that somewhere is in Yorkshire, then it counts. This could be historical, current administrative area, etc. Aaron, I believe you're working on a filter for Yorkshire, um, which has already had some some thoughts from some people. That maybe some, some places may or, not, may or may not be covered. So again, we'll, it's going to be for you to make a legitimate argument if you think yes. that's that's a controversial signing. Yeah, yeah. So I do I do have a feel, but yeah, use it as a template. I will post it on my Twitter when this episode goes out. I will post it on my Twitter along with an update of how my save is going. If you guys are interested, I think you should be interested. It's going, it's intriguing, it's intriguing. I think the template is the key word there. This is a template. This is not yes. a legally binding document. <laughs> <laughs> and of course, to confirm those tiers, the newly acquired platinum tier, win a cup, get into Europe while still in League One. And of course, any signings you make would have to be from Yorkshire. I should also say, and I should have said this last week, and I'm sure anyone who's doing the gold tier, which is get to the Premier League in three seasons, only signing players from Yorkshire, I'm sure you are already thinking, Tony, that probably means we can only sign Yorkshire staff as well. You'd be absolutely right. You'd be absolutely right because you're smart people. You've already worked that out. You're not sitting there thinking, I mean, he only said players. So my Bosnian coaches are going to be perfect. They are not. You go back down to Silver if you've got Bosnian coaches or any coaches from outside of the Yorkshire area. Silver is Premier League in five seasons, signing whoever you want. The bronze tier, accessible for everyone. Take your time, chill out, be free, don't get sacked. And if you do, just have another <laughs> go. Have another go, try it. It doesn't really matter. It's just for fun. That's what we need to be doing. Keep us posted with how you're getting on, either via Twitter, like of course our friends have done today, and in Discord as well. The link, of course, will be found in the description of the podcast. Now, we should say as well quickly, Ian's formation, who was in the letter section and gave us that dossier of tips so far, mm-hmm. looks, it's a certain time of year, wouldn't you say? Yes. So, and his formation looks awfully like what a lot of people will be putting up in their living rooms over the next few weeks. Redeem a Christmas tree. So I think we should look at, in some form, on next week's show, the Christmas tree formation, which will help the community challenge. And it appears to be that the case that that's the skill set of players at Sheffield Wednesday currently have that suits too. So um, I thought that's something we should mention as a little teaser for the listeners there as we wrap up this community set challenge section. Nice. Perfect. Lovely. There you go. Making the perfect Christmas tree. That's what we're here for. <laughs> now, Aaron, yes. we've also had a response to one of your tweets, which I love personally. Okay, you tweeted out yourself. This is at RDF Tactics on Twitter. Has tweeted, I also forgot to do what is arguably the most important in an FM 
2023 data only save. I collected no data whatsoever. <laughs> <laughs> Next season should be fun. And then an upside down smiley head emoji. Um, James Fawcett, who's at James Fawcett 22, has responded with this is potentially a topic for the pod. Explaining the data you collect and how you collect it. <laughs> I'm you know just, what, James? You could be right. I'm just laughing because it just gives me memories of that whole tweet and how it came about. I'm doing a save and I've just got so frustrated because we've, we've just kept dropping points left, right and centre. So I've just got frustrated and it, it's towards the end of the season where you're supposed to collect the data, prepare for next season. You've got your shortlist because you're relying on data and I've just completely forgot. So it's just going to be panic buys. What, what is meant, guys? I, I've never done this in terms of like collecting data. What, what, what do you mean? <clears throat> So there's, um, if you go to your preferences in the game, you can actually turn the attributes off. So how it's all coloured on your screen, you can remove all of that. So you literally just got, there's no player has any attributes and then you're just going to have to rely on your data hub and all the data your analyst gets you, how many goals per game, the XG, obviously, the pressures, if you're playing high intensity, if you're playing possession, pass completion, you're obviously going to be looking at how many progressive passes for a defensive midfielder, that sort of stuff. And there's great people in the community that helps you figure out what these numbers actually mean. If they're average numbers, above average numbers or elite numbers. So, yeah, it's a really, really fun save. And don't be scared if anybody wants to try it out. I mean, it probably won't surprise anybody to know, Aaron, that I'm not as in-depth as you are there. I still play <laughs> with, with the attribute searching as well for parts of filters. But you're obviously using your recruitment drive based entirely on yeah. the stats of the players, so you, you're not looking, if you're searching for a new striker, for example, you're not looking for a striker who's got finishing of like 15 or above or whatever. You're looking purely based on how many goals that striker has scored that season, how many chances they create, how many times they get into the opposition box. A money ball? Is, it, is money ball the, the accessible phrase for that? Exactly. Well, last year I called it a money ball. This year I just removed that sort of title just to kind of have fun. It's just data only. I think when it comes to Moneyball, people get, like, they want to talk about how much each player costs because they want it to be cheap and you want to make profit. And that's going to be obviously dependent on you and how you want to run your save. But for me, it was just kind of, I don't want to say add more realism, but it's kind of just get away with the attributes and just rely on data. So like you mentioned, I'm looking for a striker. Then when it comes to striker, I cannot see his finishing attributes or he's off the ball. I can only judge him by his conversion rate. He's XG per 90 minutes and that sort of good stuff. Uh, so, so suppose it's like looking beyond the numbers, essentially. So yeah. you might get a striker who's got uh, who's got seven goals, but he's only played 10 games, as opposed yeah. to a striker who's got 12 goals, but he's played 42 games. So yeah, exactly, um, yeah. in that sort of way of trying to balance your recruitment, a little bit going on off the back of what Lee said a couple of weeks ago when we had Lee Scott on, talking about how you'd scout in a in a real-world yeah. environment, I suppose. Yeah, and that also, that also inspired my um, latest one as well that sort of chat that we had last week with Lee Scott. Hmm. Okay. Well, you know what? I think that could be a discussion point going forward then. If we look and work out how we utilise things like the Data Hub, how we utilise the stats that are available to us uh, in-game, yeah. then maybe that might uh, add another layer to how people play the game. But Ooh. for now, that is the letters section done. Thank you very, very much for everyone who has given us correspondence this week. We do, of course, encourage you to keep those letters coming in. And when we spoke to the technical department at Athletic Towers, all we could understand in their hushed, rambling tones was something about 
never seeing a midi-chlorian count that high and something about balancing the force and something about fighting his dad. Um, anyway, if you want to keep those letters coming in, send them to Ian McIntosh at imacintosh at theathletic.com. If you want to bring your tactics to the tactics garage, tweet us a screenshot of the tactic and more importantly, what is wrong with it. Also send us a tweet if you want us to search for a star. And if you need to bring something to the FM confessional, do that as well. Short form correspondence can be sent over Twitter. I'm at Tony Jameson and Aaron is at RDF Tactics. And that was the Football Manager Show from The Athletic. Your guest today was CJ Ramson from Sports Interactive. Your co-host was RDF Tactics. Your producer was producer Steve Hankey. And I am Tony Jameson. Stay safe. We'll see you soon. The Athletic.